Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Well, hey, friend, I'm so glad that you're joining me on the podcast today. We are going to be doing something a little different today in that I am re-airing one of my episodes from 2019. My friend Colby Chrysler came on the podcast five weeks after her double lung transplant last year. And Colby has such a unique story that I wanted to re-air it again for you this year. There are a lot of new listeners, and I don't want you to miss out on this amazing story of God's grace and His purpose in Colby's life. And no matter what our circumstances may look like, if they are similar to Colby's or much different, I know that you are going to be encouraged by hearing her God's story. And so here is my conversation with Colby. This is episode 61, and my guest is Colby Chrysler. Colby was born with cystic fibrosis and has just recently had a double lung transplant five weeks ago to be exact. Colby and her husband, John, have a two-year-old little girl named Lola. She's adorable, y'all. And while Lola is staying with family, Colby and John are continuing to stay in Nashville with follow-up appointments and blood work for the next two months. You will be awestruck at how gracious God is and has been in Colby's amazing story of faith, healing, and God's goodness no matter what. Hang around to the end of the episode when we share Colby's journey song called May 26th. Okay, here's my conversation with Colby. All right, Colby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am super excited to have you with us, and I know my listeners are going to be extremely blessed and grateful to hear you today. So, a little bit about how we met. I've actually never met you in person, um, but I saw a friend of mine, I think we have some joint friends, and a friend of Mm -hmm. mine posted on Facebook right before you were having surgery that uh, you had this album. And I'm, I love music. I'm a music junkie. I love music, <laughs> like all kinds of different music. And mm-hmm. I listened to like the iTunes little bitty like first part that you get like, what, 20 seconds of a song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so I, <laughs> I downloaded it immediately, started following you. And I was like, I need to know more about this girl. This is amazing. This story is incredible. And just how you were uh, giving all the glory to God. And mm. I just loved it. So I am excited that you're here today. Well, I love talking about what God's doing in my life. So bring it on. All right. Well, good. Well, let's jump in. So I know that you were born with a disorder of mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis. Right. So when did your parents, when did your mom and dad know that you were in the middle of, of this, uh, really a fight um, for your life? Yes. Born into this battle. Um, so I'm actually, I don't know if you knew this, I'm one of three with cystic fibrosis. All I didn't know that. Have it. I didn't yes. know that. Okay. Which makes it even more interesting for my mm. parents. Mm. Um, so my brother, he was the first one, he's uh, the oldest, so 
he was diagnosed at birth and, um, you know, back then they were doing sweat tests. Not, they still do a sweat test. Back in the 80s, I think they were telling people to, like, lick your babies. If they were salty, then <sighs> you might have a problem. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but, so, you know, after he was born, of course, they, you know, automatically checked um, each of us for CF. And um, so I was diagnosed with birth. I had a you know, intestinal blockage as soon as I was born, which is common. So I had to have a surgery immediately. I was in the hospital a while, but... Um, you know, so CF is actually a, um, a recessive disorder, meaning like my parents are both carriers of it, right? And okay. then, you know, so they've got like 25% chance of having a kid with CF. Well, they hit the, they hit it on the nose, you know, mm. each time. So, wow. Um, so yeah, we, you know, all three of us from the very get go, uh, my parents knew, you know, what, uh, what was going to happen and you know in the 80s you know the life uh, expectancy was 18 so mm. my parents you thought that they were, were going to have their kids until their teenage years and that was going to be wow. it honestly I mean their faith levels I don't know if they ever actually believe their kids would only live to 18 mm. um because talking about something that takes you to your knees um mm-hmm. you know those diagnoses really drove my parents into deep waters with the Lord and just into deep places just um, you just have a picture of like a tree, just like, you know, I read something the other day, like, you just like oak trees, like, you know, it's the grace of God that he allows us the wind and rain. Cause you drive those roots deeper and deeper searching for water. And that's exactly mm. what my parents did. And they, mm. they really quickly grew to be very, very, um, very strong, strong, um, strong walk with the Lord type deal which has carried us through you know sure okay so if they have the recessive gene that means they do not have cf but they have the chance to have kid the 25 percent chance right and they had no clue you know back into that you know now they do i think yeah um but um yeah Yeah. so okay they didn't know until my brother was born okay so your brother's born and then you're born and then do you have a sister or is it you have a sister okay okay so when how was how was your childhood? What did it look like when with the three of you? What did it look like as a child with CF? You know, I'll be honest. I had a very normal childhood. Okay. And, you know, CF is a progressive disorder, and you can get super sick as a kid, and there's all different mutations of it. And um, we all, uh, most of, you know, we had a really normal childhood. I was, my parents... You know, I think this is a big part of it. My parents were like, you have a disease and, you know, you can't do everything normal kids. You know, I, mm. I didn't know that I could die from CF. Like, mm. the extent that I knew at that point was I did some treatments, you know, some time, breathing treatments. And I'd tell kids, I remember in kindergarten, I had to bring a bunch of pills every time I ate. Like, yeah, I have, I have cystic fibrosis and I take pills to digest my food. I didn't know until later on that how much it affected your lungs because I really didn't have long issues till starting maybe middle school but you know I played every sport I mean Mm. it's really helped my longevity and keep the CF under control okay okay so in high school like you said in middle school it kind of you started Mm. realizing that this was something that you had to pay attention to well like I can remember being in the eighth grade and I was like in a stall going to the restroom and coughing but I'm not really you know used to coughing and so one of my friends walked in like oh that must be you Colby I heard you cough and it started to mm. click I'm like okay this coughing thing's related to CF oh mm. it's really it's probably sad you know we didn't have all the 
social media and all the Google, all that right. stuff, you know, middle school. So I, went, I didn't know anybody else would see it, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I played soccer all the way through high school and wow. um, had a very went four years of college. I'm actually a RN, uh, oh. labor and delivery nurse. Oh, um, neat. So honestly, it wasn't. I started to see some more severe decline in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was getting more lung infections and doing IV antibiotics and all that stuff. Okay, so did you meet your husband when y'all were in college or after? I met my husband on eHarmony. Oh, uh, yes! Yes, let's, it's, I'm going to tell you. I love um, it. Uh, when it first happened, I wasn't like spreading the word eHarmony. I was kind of uh-huh. like, you know, we went on eHarmony. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But, like, so I was 27, and my sister was kind of like, um, she was the one who always had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I was always very picky. Mm-hmm. And at mm-hmm. that point, I, I, I was dating and stuff, but I pretty much knew after a date, I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time with, you know, mm-hmm. like moving on. And yeah. Anyway, she, she, wanted me, she put me on um, eHarmony. Okay. And John was, so my husband's a farmer, okay? Uh-huh. So he was farming. And um, a tiny town, not meeting anyone. So he got, anyway, long story short, he was the only one I went out with. Uh-huh. And we got married about a year later. <gasps> okay. So te- hang yeah, on. Back up. I've got some questions. Okay. Yeah. So you get on our <laughs> eHarmony and y'all are like talking online, like through the mm-hmm. eHarmony website. Okay. And then when did it get to the point where you're like, okay, let's change, exchange numbers. And then, okay, let's meet. Okay, and were you so in the same area of the country? Like, do you have yeah. that to pick from? Well, oh, okay. So, the way, so, you know, you know how many picks, like, you can put, like, I actually put it nationwide. I was like, I don't care. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. move out of Memphis, whatever. Yeah. You know, and he um, he was only 45 minutes away, but actually, eHarmony didn't even recommend. So, I think they have different levels, like, they match you, like, this person's a good match, and then there's an outer realm of, like, this person might be a good match, but we're not really sure kind of deal. Okay. And I think I was in that realm for him, and okay. he messaged me. But at that point, I was kind of over eHarmony and not really checking anything. And just uh-huh. something clicked, and I just decided to look at my messages. And he had sent me a, a long message, like, oh. three weeks prior, decided to read it. And then I was like, this guy sounds really cool. And yeah. messaged him back, and we started texting within a couple of days. And then um, probably the next week, had our first date. And... Oh, um, I didn't know the first date. I didn't. I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm marrying this guy. I right. was like, okay, I, he's cool. I, I'll go yeah. out with him some more. And then, probably within a couple of months, I was like, yep, he's the one. So, oh my goodness, that's awesome! Yeah. What a great story. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Um, okay, so y'all have been married how long? We we got married July 2014, so okay. a little over four years. Okay. And when we're kind of, we were talking about um, cystic fibrosis, mm-hmm. how did he feel about that? Knowing that you, because what, what are the chances of your children now having CF? What is the, what is the. Uh, okay, I'll tell you about percentage. that. Um, he, he, I told him, I was, you know, I was like, don't Google CF because there's some terrible stuff on Google. Mm. And I even, at that point, so you may not know this either. You know, my sister had a lung transplant five years ago. I did not know that. She's younger. And so she was always, um, she got sicker a lot faster than I did. She started getting pretty sick in middle school. So I just assumed that I, my, my case was more mild because I was doing so well. You know, I, mm-hmm. I um. And it's so funny. I sent him when we first started. Um, I don't know if we'd gone on a date yet. Probably first started talking. 
I sent a selfie of me doing my breathing treatments. And I was like, oh, yeah. Kind of like, by the way, I have cystic fibrosis and yeah, yeah. do these breathing treatments. And it didn't freak him out or scare him away. And mm. I was like, okay. And then um, I actually told him, I was like, yeah, I've got, we joke about it now. Because I was like, yeah, I've got mild CF. And I was like, and now I'm having a mild lung transplant. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's all mild. It's okay. You know, it's, it's mild. mild. It's going to be mild. good. You just got to reel them in right now. It's <laughs> that is so yeah. sweet, though. That, he, that didn't even bother him. It was just like, no. no. Like, that's not a big deal. He, you know, God picked hand picked this man because he is just the way he has so graciously taken on me and everything else that I come with, and um, he's he's just amazing. But um, you know, when we Sweet. before he knew before you know we got married that kids may not be an option, right? Um, kind of depending on you know we did DNA testing, uh, genetic testing, to see if he was a carrier. Because if he was a carrier, uh-huh. it'd be like 50% chance we'd have a kid with CF. And so we, you know, want to think about that. Sure. You know, yeah. more. Um, but his results came back negative, not a carrier. So there's zero percent chance that any of our kids would have CF. So wow. that was pretty, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, and so uh, we had Lola Kate. Okay. So you... <laughs> Okay, so let's back up a little bit. So okay. high school, you're doing breathing treatments. You're still right. active, like doing Very sports, active. all that. Not a problem. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and then when did yeah. you realize that this was this was really a day in and day out, like a struggle for you? Yeah. Like to breathe and to yeah. do normal things. What? When was that? Okay, that... You know, I think as the disease progressed, I just got used to coughing all the time, Mm. but it didn't really impede daily life or being able to travel or, I mean, I traveled to Europe for a month in college with just a backpack and a nebulizer and some albuterol, which wasn't a great idea (laughs) because I went straight to the ER Uh, on my way from, but anyway, uh, mm. another story. But Mm. um, it was really probably um, when I started a um, couple years into working full-time as a nurse mm-hmm. and um, doing 12-hour shifts and, you know, having to run to the bathroom to have crazy coughing attacks, but also having to, like, take care of patients and having to be like, I'm not contagious. I have CF. You know, if you hear me coughing, you know, right. I don't have to. Right. And, you know, it, to labor, to, you know, to being on labor delivery floor, which can be really um, physically, you know, strenuous and being in the OR and, you know, being really short of breath, just walking up and down, you know, the hallway. And then I could remember just bawling in the shower after trying to run, just running being my passion and literally, you know, trying to run, you know, 100 yards, you know, used to be able to run five, six miles. And now like, I can't make it, you know, a few yards without mad crazy coughing attacks. And then Mm. in in 2012, I got a porticath and Started. I was doing IV antibiotics maybe twice a year, and then 2013 it was more like three times a year, and then you know, um, and so that was just the disease really progressed quickly. And um, after around 24, like I was started to, whereas I was, you know, my lung function was in the 70s, and then um, it just, um, it just kind of, I just kind of um, had a sharp decline. Mm-hmm. mid-20s to now, which I'm 33 now. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, you know, 
childhood, even college, was relatively normal. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Not, not my sister, that's another story, but for me. Yeah, yeah. My brother. My brother. So. Okay, so um, take us back to when you were walking through that, doing the treatments and doing the, the having the porter cast in and, mm-hmm. and, and the IV um, and antibiotics. the antibiotics and all that. How, how, what was going through your head and how was your faith journey at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that was hard, um, specifically in the area of being a worship leader and needing my lungs, right. Mm. And needing to be able to sing. And that was probably the most painful part of it. Mm. You know, the losing the running. Okay. You know, but I always had this hope that like, it's not going to end this way. I'm there. I'm going to get better. I don't know how I was waiting. I was hoping that some drugs, some drugs that are in trials right now, I was hoping it would be a drug instead of a lung transplant. But, you know, I, but, you know, I just, um, I've really always, you know, trusted. I, I mean, I, I can't say that I've, you know, I've had like, Lord, you know, why can't, you know, if I, if I didn't have this, I could be off doing these, you know, big worship things for you and doing all this stuff for you. But instead, you know, I'm doing hours of treatments a day and just trying to stay alive, basically. Mm. You know, and it was real. It was a real, it was definitely a faith struggle. But at the same time, I, I knew the Lord was using this in my life. And I knew that he was refining me in ways that I could not be refined if I was perfectly healthy. If God had zapped this disease from me when I was an infant, you know, which my, you know, I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. And my parents have, we've sought that for years. But at the same time, if you have, you're walking with the Lord and you know, you know, if you know he is good and he has good plans for you, then it's not like this. Oh, he didn't heal me this time. Maybe next time it's Lord, I know you have a plan and I don't know exactly what it is, but I trust you. And I'm trusting that this is that you're going to redeem this in my life, and you're going to you are glorifying yourself through this. And then I'm just and so I'm good with it, you know. Mm. And um, I love it. But that's kind of. Um, but yeah, I mean, the definitely times are just like ah, oh, you know, I could be doing so much more for your kingdom, but I think we have to have a bigger perspective of mm. that, mm. and that. Um, you know, he, he calls us into these valleys and these hard places for a reason. There's, you know, there's things that we have to, you know, walk things, this, you know, we have things that he wants to learn about his character. And, you know, there's just, you know, I just, I believe strongly that, you know, we're going to walk through the fire, you know, he, we're going to walk through the fire, but he's going to be, he's going to be with us. And I think just, I think we have to learn just an element of trust. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. true. Well, and I love in your um, one of your songs in, in in May 26th was your birthday. Is your birthday correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I heard it for the first time and a few months ago, and it was or a month ago, and it was great. And I told you earlier I'd listen to it most every day. <laughs> I'm in I the fall a lot, and I'm listening to it, and it's over and over. It's on repeat. It's really. It's really good, but the the part I love is the lyric. I mean, they're all great, but especially when when you say he's given me a purpose. When you sing this, he's given mm-hmm. me a purpose. He's given he has a plan mm-hmm. that death could not withstand. Mm-hmm. And of course, being a wordy, I love words, and so I kind of search the word withstand, mm-hmm. um, and that means that death could not survive 
death could not endure, death right. could not tolerate, or death could not resist. Mm -hmm. I love that. I was like, yes. That's awesome. That, that is the lyric that comes alive to me, and I mm -hmm. love that. So take me through, when did you first write that song, May 26th? I'm going to go back because there's a, a lot more in your story, mm -hmm. but for this, tell me um, how you came up with these lyrics. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. Most of these songs were written out of a place of quiet time, worship time. And I never sit down and write a song. They just come. And this song, this song, you know, I probably wrote this song in about 10 minutes. And this may sound weird, but it's like it was just downloaded. Like I just, I just started writing and the Lord just literally just poured it. Wow. Um, you know it out and I um so I can't I can't even tell you that and I didn't even sat down and and researched words or oh this rhymes with this it literally just came and most wow. of my songs are like that but I would say that this song you know it's kind of a twofold thing going on because it's kind of like the well I was supposed to leave till 18 but got but death could not withstand the purpose and the call in my life and you know mm. you know CF is is no contender for God you know mm. and you know, and so if, if the purpose of my life was to, you know, God had me doing things well into my 30s and 40s, and I believe 50s and 60s, and CF's not going to stop that, you know, and his, you know, coming in, against that, even if it's in the nat natural of medicine, you know, God healing through medicine and, and new technology, which has helped me kind of come along and stay, stay alive these two years, but also on a spiritual level of, you know, um, you know, even if, even if I was going to die tomorrow, like there is no ultimate death for me. I have eternity mm -hmm. and life with Jesus. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think people can really, even in a CF community, um, can, you know, they've really taken this song as their own because, you know, when you, when you have this disease that's limiting these things that you can do in your life, it's just like, okay, you know, I, my life, quality of life is really bad right now, and I can't do things that normal people can do, but I know there's a purpose in this in this struggle and in this pain, you know, mm. and um, that's well, basically. And, well, and you're a true artist because of that, you know, because you just, like you said, you sat down and it just downloaded. Like, that, that is amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so you know? great. Thank you. Well, your voice is amazing, too, and you recorded that before the lung transplant, right? This was a year and a half ago. This, yeah, well, I started recording it about three years ago, mm. and at that point, actually, the first song I recorded, um, Pregnant with Lola, mm. and um, which was interesting, <laughs> yeah. but um, at that point, my lung function was maybe in the 50s, mm. which was really intimidating going into a, a studio, and as a vocalist, wanting, obviously, the vocals to sound really good, but having about half of the lung capacity to work with. And mm, so wow. it took a lot of hours and a lot of vocal do-overs, you know, just like, yeah. okay, let me try that again, you know. Wow, I can't imagine. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so I felt really strongly like, okay, Lord, I know, like, I don't have a music career in front of me right now because, or ministry, because I just, I just can't really sing that much. And, but I, but you've given me these songs that I feel like are supposed to be recorded and I feel like are going to minister to people and and so me and my husband was really supportive because I was back and forth. I was like, let's not, you know, do I really need to do this? Do we really need to put the money into this right now? And 
maybe later when I have like good lungs, if that ever happens, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, but it, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. Um, but yeah, That's I recorded great. it a few years ago and mm. perfect timing before yeah. my lungs kind of crashed on me. So, mm. okay. So go back. I want to talk about having Lola because, mm-hmm. uh, what did your doctor say at the point when you were like, okay, I want to have a baby. What did they say? Or did you ask them? I did. I did ask them. We really kind of wanted, we wanted to get their approval, you know, because a lot of people with CF can't get pregnant. Um, Cause doesn't it cause infertility sometimes? Uh, in men. It's oh, okay. okay. Fertility in men, which, um, you know, there's ways around that with, you know, but for men, but, and, but for women, it's not really okay. necessarily an issue getting pregnant. It's, um, are you healthy enough to carry a baby? Sure. Are, is your, are your lungs healthy enough? And yeah. a lot of C- CF people have, um, CF-related diabetes, which can be an issue and all those things. I don't have that. Okay. Um, and at that point when we were asking, you know, we were about to get married or just got married um, and talking about it, and they were like, you know what, you're really healthy. Um, my lung function was probably 75 at that point, which is mm-hmm. really good for CF. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they gave me the green light. So um, we got pregnant probably nine months into marriage, and... Um, the pregnancy was fine, you know, I, no issues there. Um, she was, um, she was born 37 weeks and, um, afterwards I would say though was I, um, you know, with CF weight maintenance can be an issue because we can, we don't absorb all the calories, um, Mm. that everyone does. And so I actually dropped, um, I got back to my pre-pregnancy weight and then dropped 10 pounds below that within a week wow and that really kind of put a setback in my health as far as you know mm. weight and lung function symptoms can kind of go together and so mm. um that definitely took some level of toll on my health but it was about a year later that I started having um just non-stop infections like mm off um and this you know i had been declining through the years and then got to a point where the bugs and the bacteria in my lung had a had a really bad bacteria in my lung that was becoming resistant to all these different antibiotics Mm. so i would be on ivs about three weeks and then within six or seven days sometimes 10 days at the most i'd have 103 fever again oh goodness all this stuff and so we did this um we did this for about two years till we Mm. I've probably skipped over what you want. Two years later, we're talking about transplant, but um, no, that's fine. That's fine. So yeah. you were, so she's how old now? Three. She is. Um, she'll be three in November. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so after she, you had her. Then the next two years is when you were going through infections. Yeah, when okay. I, you know, I was already doing IVs. Um, I probably did while I was pregnant. IVs three or four t- times a round of IVs. Um, mm because you couldn't do oral antibiotics while you're pregnant, um, mm-hmm. the ones I need to do. And, um, but yeah, it was about, I remember, um, she was nine months old and we went, um, John and I went to Mexico, our first trip away from Lola and, um, came back re- like I was getting sick on the trip and came back and mm-hmm. just had really bad pneumonia and ended up in the hospital. And that was the first hospital stay really, I think, um, uh, I've always done antibiotics from home. I've never have to go. I've never have to. Usually, don't have to be admitted to that to the hospital. And that was probably the first time I, I was admitted in years. And 
after that, it was just, it was not, it was, it was interesting. That was the point. It was, um, 2000, July, 2016. That seems to be the point where I really, you know, went on this severe de- long decline mm. until, you know, where we are now, which is five weeks post transplant. But mm. So what got you to the point of physically and, and mentally of knowing that you had to do the transplant? Ooh, that was quite a process. Mm. Um, by let's see January of 2017 um no June I think maybe June 2017 yeah they brought it up for the first time the big it's like a you know the big transplant word and I'm Mm -hmm. like and I knew that conversation was coming because nothing like I was declining and nothing was helping Mm -hmm. and um I had an interesting mix of relief like okay, like, there's a there's a light in the tunnel. I have a chance of a new life. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, a level of fear because, um, obviously, you know, lung transplants, while you can have great outcomes like me, they don't give you very promising statistics. Mm. Um, and they have to put it all out there. You know, they really try to scare you, like, do you really want to do this? Um and, you know, the statistics they give you is, you know, 50% will live for five years post-transplant. And um, 80% live a year. And, um, but I, but the thing with those statistics is they've got older, you know, 60 to 80-year-olds mixed in there that have COPD and uh, don't tend to have, to live as long or have as good outcomes as the Sure, sure. So I kind of. I kind of filtered that out and chose to focus on all the people that are doing really well, which mm. there's currently a lady who's had her double lung transplant almost 30 years. Wow. And so, and my, you know, my sister being five years post transplant, doing amazing, having That's this great. new wonderful life. She was incredibly sick, probably sicker than I was before mm. I got mine. And, um, you know, we, um, I was kind of gung ho for a while and finally decided to do that, you know, excited about it. Off with a healthy dose of hesitancy, you know, and just mm-hmm. at the back of my mind, still hoping that these drugs that are in trial right now for my mutation that could change my life would come out in the meantime and maybe not right. have to do that. But that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I went through the whole pre-transplant process, which is a lot of extensive testing, like every, you know, from heart cath to every scan you can think of and every blood test you can think of. And because mm-hmm. you have to, there's just a sensitive window where they want you to be sick enough because it's a huge deal. They, they don't want you to waste years of, you know, you can use your original lungs. And it's a sensitive window to balance, you know, being sick enough, but not too sick. Because if you're too sick, you're just, the recovery is just so huge, intense, you know. Mm, gotcha. It, they're not going to do as well if you're too sick. So, okay. um, went through the process, you know, they offered me a spot on the transplant list. And, mm. and it's funny, at the point they offered me, I, ha- I happened to be just feeling better that month. I hadn't I'd made it a whole month off of IVs, which was huge for me. And it just takes a little bit for me to get really optimistic, right? Mm. And so I told her, I was like, I don't think I'm ready yet. But, uh-huh. you know, a few days after that, I did this um, kind of like an online conference that the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation does where you can talk to peers with CF. And um, this guy, this young guy, had had a lung transplant, and he was just talking about how much his life had changed and mm. kind of encouraged you, like, don't be, you know, do it. If you need, if you're talking about it, then you probably need to do it. And, you know, mm. he's, I'm traveling all the time. It's like, my, my life, my life's never been this good, you know, kind of thing. And I, 
I got done with that, and I looked at John. I was like, I'm ready. Like, I, mm. I just something clicked in me. And I think it was, honestly, I think the Lord used that. I think I needed to hear that, mm. you know. Um, and it was a very emotional, like, you know, a mm. lot of tears, a lot of, um, you know, God, we need a word from you. I need to, this is the biggest decision of my life, and I need to know that this the time is now, and this is what we're supposed to do. And um, I just knew and called him up the next day. I was like, put me on the list. Mm. And I was pumped. I was like, I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready yeah. for a new for a new life with new lungs. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever before that, before you really knew this is what you were supposed to do, before that, when you were going through, you know, the two years of on mm. IVs and mm. and uh, and coming home from your Mexico trip, going to the hospital with pneumonia and all that, did you ever feel at that point? Did you ever look around the waiting rooms and the doctors' offices and see? older people or whatever and say, why am I here? Why me? Did you ever ask that? You know, I think, oh, sure. I mean, that that's mm. always, you that's know, natural. oh, sure. Natural to be like, you know, yeah, why, have, you know, there's only 30,000 people in this country with this disease living. Why do I have to be one of the 30,000 people? Mm. And, um, but... You know, like I, I said before, I just, um, I, I think after 33 years of walking with him through this disease, you know, and just really having this confidence that I just always knew in the back of my mind, like, that I wouldn't always be this way and that I was going to somehow have relief. And I just, um, I'll tell you this much, um, this is a really cool thing, about a year a year ago, not this past, um, last summer, I was, Lola and my mom, we were, um, hanging out at a friend's beach house in St. Pete, and, um, you know, it was, I was really, you know, really sick, I'd, um, just gotten off and around IVs, and, um, the Lord, you know, the transplant question up in the air, and, you know, all, you know, wondering, you know, not for sure that I was, you know, necessarily going to make it the next two years you know mm. I, I I knew I was like you know I, I've always trusted that God's heals but he also allows people to go home to heaven early and right, right those that believe in healing and those that are walking so deep with the Lord they get cancer and the Lord takes them and that's I've always known the reality of he's good whether I live or die right he's mm. good and right. um, I hope his plan is for me to live longer and to watch his baby girl grow up Mm. But, you know, my mom, you know, she got a very clear word from the Lord and all this. He, he, she felt very deep. The Holy Spirit was saying to her, Colby will live and she will not die. And, mm. you know, my mom told me that. And it was like, it was just, it was kind of like I had a picture of just one of those little like uh, lifesaver raft deals that I'm just hanging on. And that word really was something that I held on to for the last year that, you know, sometimes we just have these general things that we know about God, right? But sometimes He speaks specifically to us mm -hmm. about our specific situation. And I believed deeply that I was not going to die. And mm. and so um, that's the beautiful thing about <laughs> being able to hear from the Lord. But um, yeah. I um, I held on to that promise, and I believe it was a promise of my life. Mm. And I still I still am. But well, and I'll see, you hear that through your through your music too, you know, you hear that, that God has a plan, yeah. he has a purpose, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that death could not withstand, you know? And right. like you said, right. if you were to die or live, that that means you're either yeah. here or you're, you know, raising your baby here or you're in heaven. Yeah. So, yeah. wow, what an outlook. Um, so take me through the, pri- the, the night before. The night before okay. your lung transplant, what okay. what do you, what's going through your head? Um, I mean, because it's good to be like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm pumped. Yes, and then when you get up to the day before surgery, yeah. that's that's where it's like mm-hmm. the rubber meets the road, right? Well, I'll start off with getting a phone call at five in the morning. You know, I okay. So, for those of you who don't know, I was on the list for nine days, which is insane. Like we had expected to be on there for months, yeah. Um, yeah. at least three or four months. Uh, which is average at Vanderbilt. And nine days later, we get a call at 5.55 in the morning. They called me, but my phone was on silent. <laughs> I was definitely not expecting a call for translate, which is, like, really bad. But my husband answered the phone, and um, I I remember thinking, like, oh, my goodness, I can tell he's on the phone with Vanderbilt right now. And I was kind of in shock, and I just started kind of mindlessly throwing stuff in my bag. And, mm. you know, I called my dad. I was like, Dad, they have lungs. And he's like, wait, what? I'm like, they have lungs. And so, um, wow. But, you know, we drove up there and um, we're expecting to go into surgery pretty soon. And there were delays um, with um, on the other end with harvesting the organs. And um, so we ended up staying in the hospital for 24 hours, which is unusual, before okay. we even um, had to transplant. So we, you know, we got there that morning, probably around – 9 30 in the morning and sat around forever and then they called us and like actually you can go eat because it's going to be a while and then got back and admitted us to room so we were in a room for almost um probably I guess 12 hours or so before the surgery and um I don't honestly it you know I told I've I said this before like I, I I think it's cool there was 24 hours before the surgery because it gave that much more time to spread the word and to get the prayers going mm, up, you know? Yes. But I, you know, I said this the other day on Instagram. I literally physically felt the the prayers of the church. Kind of almost, I felt like I was just kind of being lifted up. Mm. It was the weirdest feeling. And, you know, I, I did not have fear. Like, you know, we... Like, my whole family's up there. It was kind of like a party. I had a sweet, you know, we had a sweet time. You know, John Mm. lay next to me in bed that night and just, you know, I don't don't know. You know, we were talking about this the other day. It was kind of like this, you know, just awesome moment together. Mm. You know, it's kind of hard to explain what that's like, about to go through, like, a life and death thing. Mm. But we just, we're just happy to be together and just, um, just really thankful for the opportunity. And, you know, it's. It was just the supernatural yeah. no thing going on. Like you can't explain it, but you knew that God was all over it, and it just felt like His perfect timing. And it mm. just felt like He had every little single thing was arranged by Him, and it just just had this confidence that this is what we're supposed to do right now. Wow, and you're completely in His will right now. You know that is great. And you had all your family there. It was like a party. Like a park. Really, come on, one. That's you know? a, yeah, come on. Okay, so. i about being put to sleep. Yeah. He's like, love being put to sleep. Yeah, it's very restful, right? Yeah. I will, I'll say this. You know, I sound like everything's just perfect. Yeah. I, I did have a head. I was like, I was a little scared of what it would be like um, waking up intubated. Mm. And that was probably the hardest part about it was waking up being um, intubated. And I was starting to fight that breathing tube. Mm-hmm. And I was ready. And they had to like uh, put my strap my arms down because yeah. I was, you know, trying to pull it out. And wow. 
that transition from being intubated and waking up to them being able to take the tube out was probably the hardest part. Of uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that would be kind of yeah. panicky, you know, kind of what's going on. Scream panicky. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So you are now how many weeks past since the transplant? Okay. Friday was exactly five weeks. Um, so yeah, about five and a half weeks post. And let me tell you, um, it has been in an, like, we just in an awe and wonder of everything has been perfect from the surgery to, you know, the, I happen to have this uh, surgeon that's new to Vanderbilt, wonder, amazing surgeon who does a new way of the surgery where he didn't have to um, cut through my sternum or ribs, which is usually the case. He was able to actually, this is kind of weird, he was able to kind of open up the ribs and slide the deflated lungs in. Wow. So it made healing time way faster than normal. My sister had the other surgery where she had bones broken and wired back together. Mm. But I mean, you know, you know, you're up the next day walking, which, you know, they want everybody up walking the next day. And wow. um, just know, you know, when you have a surgery that huge, there's just an array of complications you can have. Zero complications. Mm. I'm, you know, running within a couple of weeks. I'm, um, you know, uh, you know, everything's just been smooth sailing, and I just feel like uh, it's just the God, just the grace of God has been um, mm. all over this. I just ran two miles yesterday, and mm. I just feel amazing. Um, well, and your test that you go back to see, like, the percentage of your lung function, mm -hmm. correct? And what is it at now? Like, it was... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it was like a couple weeks after you did it and you were expecting it to not be high. And what did it come back as? Right. So my first pulmonary function test uh, after I uh, got out of the hospital, which was, um, so this was probably two weeks after lung transplant. My lung function was uh, in the 70s, mm -hmm. and which was, I was a complete shock. I was expecting 40s. It takes, mm. it took, um It'll, it can take, a, you know, a year or longer to get up into the 90s. And today, my original goal was to be back up, be up to 100% lung function within a, by one year uh, of having my transplant, one year later. Okay. Today, my lung function is 95%, and I'm five weeks out of lung transplant. So wow. So, it's insane. Like, I just, that's why I'm always like, God, <sighs> like, I, I just, I celebrate every single day because this is not normal. Mm. Like, this is, um, this is God's normal, but this is not mm. normal, you know, you know, people get, probably don't, people who are not familiar with lung transplants think, uh, you know, oh, that's pretty good, but people who've had lung transplant or seen people with lung transplants know, like, well, that's not normal, you wow. know, so I'm just so incredibly thankful. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. Okay, so let me ask you, and this, you can totally say, I don't want to answer that. It, I, okay. You can just totally say that. But do you know anything about the donor and donor family? Have you been able to So that is that? Um, information that we don't, There, it's very closed. Um, I don't, we don't get any information about the donor. Um, I will have an opportunity at some point to write the donors a letter Mm -hmm. and give it to the transplant and the transplant team will get it to them and then that family will have the chance to respond and connect with me or they may be like ah oh, we're not interested you know gotcha um and so that's something i look forward to i would love to uh get connected with the family or at least write them a letter um yeah that's amazing yeah so 
looking back and now you're looking back at the infections that you had and the IV, uh, the antibiotics that you had, that you were really sick and really struggling and mm-hmm. uh, knowing that, you know, did you ever think back then about your daughter and saying, you know, I don't know if, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that is a really hard spot to be in to really yeah. think about what, what might happen. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really painful thinking, you know, I may not be here in a couple of years to see my three-year-old, you know, grow up or, you know, and that was, that was like probably my main prayers. Like, Lord, you know, I'm not worried, <laughs> I'm not worried about accomplishing much in this life, but I would love to be there for my daughter, you know, and, but the cool thing is, and completely another grace of God thing, I really came to be at peace with, you know what, he's such a good dad and such a good father, even if, even if I couldn't be here, he would, he would arrange some amazing woman to come in and raise my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and I really, you know, I don't get teary eyed about this. Yeah. That's heavy. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- I, I really trusted him and that. I just felt like, you know, he is, he, he's going to be such a good dad to Lola, even if I can't be here to take care of her, he, he would make sure she's okay. Mm. And so, you know, I, you know, had all those range of thoughts, all the what ifs, and I had come to terms with, you know, I'm at peace with that. You know, he's, I just, I just trust him so much. And I think, um, and I came to a point where like, I just, I believed I was going to be here for, and I believed that I was going to live, but you know, in the process you ask, you, you know, all those questions, all those possibilities come up, obviously. Mm, Um, but yeah, so yeah, Mm. it was an emotional, emotional journey. And and also just, um, um, you know, guilt in those, those first two years where I felt like I could be a better mom, you know, because I, you know, I, you know, I, I was, on, I, I was sick all the time. I did have lung function all the time, but it's amazing. I was still, you know, even amidst that, I think I was, because I was always on meds, I functioned pretty well. And I was, um, you know, occasionally my mom would have to come and take over for a couple of days, but sure. for the most part, he just is, you know, his grace is sufficient. And I was able to, Keep wow. up with that topic. That's amazing. I mean, because, you know, for women who do not have, you know, CF or have a, yeah. you know, are needing, uh, have yeah. lung infections and are not needing a lung transplant, it's rough. So I can't imagine, you know, going through that. Um, but guilt's not from God. So right. don't take that in. Yeah. <laughs> don't I, don't I, take I that on that yourself. Pretty quickly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not it, from is. God. it isn't. But that's amazing. What an amazing story. Okay, so now we're looking back at all that. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that that God was with you through all that, how does your faith? How does that um, challenge your faith now? Now that you're five weeks out of lung transplant, mm-hmm. feeling the healing in your body mm-hmm. that you've always wanted, how is that? Mm-hmm. How is that feeling? Um, it it really makes me think like my faith is not as big as it could be or should be seeing what I, what feels like a miracle and, and his miracles look different, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, in the Bible, literally raising up a life or using medicine. And so, I mean, if you think about it, I think we take it for granted what, like that we can take lungs out of a person who is, you know, just died 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can take viable organs and we can give this them to this other person who and and you know let them have another life. I, you know, we don't we don't realize what like you know yeah it's medicine but it's pretty miraculous. You mm. know, amazing. And it it is just um, a it's really shown me the power of uh, the body coming together in prayer mm. and um, just pushing me my personal prayer life. To be honest with you. And, um, well, and the people around you, because I didn't even know you and I felt like I need to pray for her, you know, like immediately it was like, she's going to do the transplant. Like we need to pray for her. And we were all lifting you up. And I guarantee there were tons of people like that. I didn't know you. I would love to know how many people were praying for me. I know it's in the thousands, but, Hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly humbling and, and I'm seeing the way, like it, we, you know, it's all about him, and he's using this for for things that I, I can't even see. Like, so uh, this is a shout out to a a um, so Mary Fry. The Fries have I don't I don't know if you saw that the Fry Life. It's a YouTube. Yes, I did. I did. Blog, okay, yep, I did see that. She because of you know all the transplant stuff. She found me. She found my music. Featured May twenty six on there. Yep. She has a huge following, and a lot of CF, a lot of chronic disease people follow her. Mm. And they came across that song, and I can't tell you how many people have messaged me saying, "This is this song was written for me." Like this, oh. you can't tell me. You know, I can't tell you how much this song is ministering me to me. And it, you know, and it, you know, Mary really helped get that um, song out to. Um, the sea of community and people who needed to hear it. And I, I'm, I'm realizing that this, I'm just a little, like God is doing big things, you know, mm. through this and uh, ministering in ways that I never really foresaw, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, me having a transplant and all this stuff and just how he just, he's got all these networks and he just does all these cool things and we just get to be a part of it. Mm. You know, it's not even, you know, I feel like I'm ministering more than I ever have before. And I'm just not really doing anything except letting him heal me. You know, I mm. love it. So great. So right. beautiful. So beautiful to see the body of Christ yeah. around you and yeah. for you and just the faith that you have. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Mm. It's neat. It's neat to see. That's why I was like, I've got to interview her. I've got to chat with her. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of each episode, I mm. asked my friends, um, a fun little, what are the, it's my eat read love mm-hmm. segment so what are you eating that you love what are you reading and what are you loving okay um i have a new i, I guess i don't know if addiction is the right word but with this prednisone i'm taking i'm sna- i used to never snack and now i'm all about some snacks but <laughs> trader joe's which i know we have one in Memphis now but i haven't been to it i haven't either I've been here you've been here uh, nashville nashville has been has had it for a while so there are these like thin rice, they're rice crackers, they're like kind of soy sauce flavored, I guess. Okay. They're unbelievable, and I dip them in the Trader Joe's hummus, and that has been my go-to snack, snack for like a month. Okay, okay. Um, so, you know, it's healthy, but um, yeah, yeah. anyway, it's, it's really yummy. Okay, and you're um, supposed to be like gaining weight, like that's what your goal is right now, right? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, and I'm hope to, trying to the weight to be muscles. I'm trying to, you know, okay, I lost a okay. lot of muscle mass over the last couple of, couple of years, and um, well, all kinds of all kinds of mat, kind of mass. But um, mm. 
yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a weight I'm trying to get back up to and just a uh, fitness level and all those things. Um, but I'm, you know, I got to eat a little extra calories right now, but okay. we'll see how long that lasts. I'm like, okay. maybe uh, probably in a year I'm trying to like lose five pounds, but right now, <laughs> but right okay. now we're trying to gain weight. That's good. Um, so yeah. And k- kombucha, I'm a big kombucha okay. girl. Okay. And so that's my go-to drink. All right. Um, let's see what's next. Uh, what are you reading? Okay. I always have a book I'm reading. Okay. Um, I my one-year Bible. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. This is actually one that I read this past summer, but I've been telling everybody about because, and I, I'm sure a lot of people have read it, but um, have you heard of, are you familiar with Bob Goff? Yes. Okay. Everybody, everybody always. always. Yes. I book? haven't read it yet, but I've been okay. hearing it. And then oh. they did a love, was it that one they did for kids recently too? Uh, There's another uh, yes. one. Anyway. Yes. yes, he yes. and his daughter wrote one for kids. Amazing. And I don't know what it's called, but it's in my Amazon to buy. Is it? Box. Okay. I'm going to have to do that. And so you're reading, or you read everyone, everybody always. Okay, but the book I'm current, can I do two books? Is that yes. Allowed? The book I'm currently reading, which is awesome, um, Driven by Eternity by John Bevere. Oh, I follow his wife on, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Lisa. got tons of good books. He's, um, okay. It's, um, goodness, it just really challenges you to, like, am I using my gifts, you know, or, you know, you know, I, he really challenges you, like, honestly, like, when we get to, you know, heaven and the Lord's kind of like, what did you, were you a good steward of your time and your years and your money? And he gets mm. into so many things. Um, Sounds good scripture but i highly okay okay i'm gonna look at that for sure both of those those sound great yeah okay so what are you loving right now you know what i'm loving uh john and i feel like we're on our honeymoon right now because we're in this cute little cottage it's adorable i'm looking at the fixtures back there it's uh, adorable I feel like I'm on, uh, this sounds weird because I'm recovering from a lung transplant but I feel like (laughs) I feel like I'm on vacation you know it's like Our, we go work out every day, you know, and mm-hmm. so us have, we have, you know, he would, he's a farmer, so he would be putting in like 13, 14, 10 months, 15 hour days right now, mm-hmm. trying to harvest. Wow. And so he's, you know, this is kind of a once in a lifetime thing of he's got three months off from work and, um, but that and just what we're loving, he's, um, he's doing, we're, we're training, we're going to be doing that marathon together in 2019, but he's yeah. back in the gym and. We're just like, just being able to work out and train together, it's been really fun and not having any other distractions. Obviously, we would love to be with Lola right now, but we can't. So we're just enjoying the situation that we're in, you know. That's good. That's good. Fun and joy in it. Right. Yeah. So y'all are there. And now does he go back to do farming or go, or is he with you? Yeah, he... So how we're doing it is he's got two partners. Thank God he's not the only, he doesn't farm by himself. It's yes. a pretty big farm and he's got two partners that are um, taking over harvest right now. So he, which Good. is just a gift that he can take off. Yes. Um, and then he will go back. I have like family that trades out, you know, Perfect. every week or so. And he gets to go home and get a few days at a time with Lola. So she's got, oh, gets yeah. to see one of us. Good. Regularly. Yeah, that's great. And then you're here in Nashville for how long? Um, so it's a total of three months post transplant so I've got a maybe I've got a couple months left here but we're hoping I can start seeing Lola on the weekends in the next couple weeks okay that's that'll be great yes we're looking forward to that okay so what's next for you for your music for you for recovery 
It's a great, you know, I, my personality, I just get, you know, I'm pumped about all these things that I put on hold because I just physically couldn't do anything but survive and take care of my daughter. And I, I would love to delve back into music ministry and sing more and write more. Um, that we want is, you to. We want you yeah. to. We're ready for it. <laughs> well, that's not, you know, and I just pray that there's just, that the Lord just releases awesome songs through this experience and um just over the last couple of years and um yeah. i um i really had to put that aside music and all that stuff aside and um yeah so that's, great. that's something I'm, I'm pretty excited about for the future so where can we find you on social media and your website for your music yep yeah. yeah, um so yeah i'm on instagram it's colby chrysler and facebook and i um i've post most stuff from Instagram, but it goes to Facebook too. And, um, if you go to colbychrisler.com, um, you can actually listen to my album for free and then also has links to download it or stream it on whatever site you like to. So, um, you know, check it out. It's good stuff. We will. How can we pray for you? Um, so probably specifically in the area of my recovery process is, you know, the big thing with with lung transplant is rejection and that's the thing that can is bad and um I just you know something I prayed over my body before I even got these lungs like body you know in the name of Jesus just receive these lungs as your own don't be trying to reject them Mm-mm. so, Mm-mm. Um, right. so I think the main thing is that that the Lord would continue there would be absolutely no rejection ever you know yes. and I wouldn't have to um some acute rejection is actually expected Okay. Um, and they'll do a bronch, and that's just treated with steroids. Um, it's the chronic rejection. There's a couple of different kinds of rejection, but I just I prefer to not have any of it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. we'll do it. We'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. I know you are going through <laughs> your uh, recovery and and all those things and appointments, but I really appreciate you making time for me today. Well, it's been a joy to talk to you. It was great goodness, such a great conversation. While I was editing, I jotted down so much truth that Colby was sharing with us. Colby has given me permission to share one of her songs, May 26th, at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. You can find Colby's album on iTunes, and you can connect with her over on Instagram and Facebook at Colby Chrysler, and also at ColbyChrysler.com. If this is your first or your 61st time joining me in the conversation with me and a friend, I am so grateful that you gave up your time to listen to an episode of the podcast. I love planning, recording, producing, and sharing my friends' stories with each and every one of you each week on the Friends of a Feather podcast. Remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.
That death could not 